It's Tuesday and it is FRPC. We are on the air. Hoop, brothers and sisters, rejoice. It is I, your host, Vince Carter, and we have a trade in the NBA to get to. But right before that, keep a reminder that follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, on all major podcast platforms. Also, give us a follow on X at FrontRunnerPC. Also, hit my man Nico up at NicoFRPC. We will be grateful for the follow. And we also have a YouTube channel. We get clips up from the podcast. And that is FrontRunner Podcast Collective. Get on that because... What doesn't make the pod, like as far as notes, will end up in that clip somewhere. And usually that is some vital information. So I want everybody to subscribe, like, comment. Let's build this community. I want to get I want to get chop, chopped up with you guys. I want to make sure that we tapped in and we're bringing you a quality, quality podcast. So with that being said, all the pleasantries are out the way, and let's get to the trade. All right. Well, in our last pod, I did speak on this. I talked about there was uh, interest from the Miami Heat in Terry Rozier, and I was also um, lamenting the fact that the Lakers were not involved. So the Miami Heat have acquired Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets for exchange for Kyle Lowry, his expiring contract, and a 2027 first-round pick that is lottery-protected. So if it doesn't convey in 2027, then it becomes an unprotected 2028 pick. Miami Heat just did a masterclass of organizational awareness and finding a particular archetype player. While Terry Rozier will never be confused with Steph Curry nor Damian Lillard, he's a solid pro and capable of star production. Rozier is having his best season in his age 29 year. He's averaging 23.2 points a game, 6.6 assists a game, 3.9 rebounds a game, and also 1.1 steals a game. Now the shooting splits. He's shooting 45.9 from the field overall on 18.3 attempts. Now keep in mind where he's playing. Lamella wasn't there for most of the season, so spacing was an issue because that's a young team. He's also shooting 35.8% from three on 7.7 attempts per game. And he's shooting 84.5% from free throw line on 4.3 attempts a game. And he has an effective field goal percentage of 53.5%. All this to say is, is this, is that when you look at Terry Rozier, you have a guard that is not scared of the moment. This was a young kid when he was in Boston. And that team, remember, Kyrie got hurt. He was one of the young guys that was helping carry that team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, 
you're getting a quality vet who knows his role. And also, again, not scared of the moment. He is going to be comfortable with 18 shots or he's going to be comfortable with 12 shots. He's going to find his role on this team. You want him to be the complete offense initiator? He can do that. He can also play off ball. So if you want to run uh, a lot of motion, cuts, things of that nature, Rozier can do that. He's a pesky defender. I wouldn't say he's a really good defender, but I would say he's pesky. Right? He's not just going to be a pushover. He uses his size pretty well. He's not the biggest guy, but he's pretty physical. Uh, he's not just going to be a pushover. And also, again, when you need a shot, this kid is not going to be scared to shoot it. Jimmy Butler will absolutely love playing with this guy. This is going to fit in right in with the Tyler Heroes of the world, the Jaime Highcasters of the world, and also Bam Adebayo. And I think with what the Heat gave up in this, being so poultry, basically, that they have room to make another move. So keep in mind that we are sitting at, what, the 22nd, 23rd of January? Got to look at my phone. I don't know where my phone is at this present time. Oh, it's the 23rd of January, right? So we still have two weeks, two full weeks until the trade deadline. So we have no idea what kind of other magic Pat Riley can pull out of his hat up until the deadline. So we'll see. <clears throat> um, the other thing that I want to say with Kyle Lowry is this, is that he'll likely be bought out from Charlotte. I mean, honestly, they have guards that they need to start playing anyway to see if they're going to be productive in the NBA. Uh, Amari Bailey being one of them from UCLA. Uh, also, LaMelo is also the star there. And I would think that Lowry would have no short, no shortage of contenders for his services once bought out. So I believe this is strictly a financial move that benefited Charlotte. So they were able to get pick up a pick later on and Lowry will be released soon as they can get that buyout squared away. That's what I look with that. Okay. Other news today, the Milwaukee Bucks have fired first-year head coach Adrian Griffin, and it's been a roller coaster ride for my man Adrian. Um, it started off in the first part of the year, right before the season started. Um, you had the fiasco with Terry Stotts. You had that whole thing go on, and then Terry left right before the season started. Then you had the radical change in defensive concepts, and it seemed not to work, and their defense was really, really struggling early on in the season. And uh, it looked like the leaders of that team implored Adrian Griffin to uh, go ahead and um, change it back to a, a more similar system that Budenholzer 
ran last year. Um, the thing that is now coming out is that Giannis Antetokounmpo had no desire to work with Nick Nurse, who is now the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, let's let's call a spade a spade. Nick Nurse in in Philadelphia is doing some work because Joel Embiid, who we will talk about on this podcast a little bit later, uh, yeah, he's doing some work in uh, Philly. So, for some reason, Antetokounmpo did not want to work with Nick Nurse. He did everything in his power to uh, not allow that to happen. And so, Adrian Griffin was the guy to kind of bring in. It just so happens that ESPN's own Doc Rivers, who was also the Philadelphia 76ers coach last year, was a consultant to the Milwaukee Bucks, higher-ups, and general management staff. When I talk about that, I'm talking about the ownership group. I'm not talking about John Horse. He was a consultant, kind of saying, oh, hey, this is, this is what you kind of kind of go through with a rookie coach or oh I don't know this kind of looks like a a red flag here or whatever but just so you know Doc Rivers is the leading candidate for the Milwaukee Bucks job so I don't know how long we're gonna have Doc Rivers on the telecast so if you are a fan of the raspy voice of Doc Rivers and some of his insights, you might be sad. If you're if you're tired of his voice and you think he sounds like a um a Kermit the Frog that lost his voice, I can understand that as well. And you will rejoice because you will only hear him in like coaches' interviews, like before the fourth quarter or be or after the first or in post game interviews. Because it looks like he will be the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Not, not say, hey, I, I, I'm not 100% on that, but I am pretty sure that is what's going to happen. So, right now, the guy who is in charge until they figure out who's going to be the, the coach is Joe Prontney. And the reason why I want to bring Joe into this is that he's acted as the assistant co- uh, coach for the Bucks this year. This is not the first time where Prunty has been in this situation. Now, mind you, Prunty also was the interim coach when Jason Kidd from the Milwaukee Bucks got fired in the, in their season. Okay, then just last year, Prunty served as the interim coach until. Quinn Snyder was hired for the Atlanta Hawks when Nate McMillan was fired. So my man Pronti has had a lot of experience in this situation, especially when they know that he's holding down the fort not for a very, very long time. I think all this is what kind of staff can Doc Rivers pull together in midseason that will work with Giannis Dame, Middleton, and Lopez, and what kind of greatness 
can he extract out of that group? All right, here is some a little disturbing news. Cleveland Cavalier reserve big man Tristan Thompson was suspended for 25 games for violating the NBA's anti-drug rules for taking, um, it's called Abu Tamarin. It is a growth hormone. Um, It's a drug that stimulates plasma levels and increases muscle mass and uh, increases more can't read my own writing right here. Oh, bones and density. And then he also took a form of, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but it's uh, a ligandraw, which basically provides healing uh, properties and also increases strength and it decreases body fat. So, Our man Tristan Thompson is gone for 25 games for violating the anti-drug policy. Um, I am... Here's the thing. This man is holding on. He's like, what, 32, 33? He's played a physical position for a lot of years. I can understand trying to have your body recover, you know, because as you get older... As the injuries pile up, you know, we're looking at Kevin Looney and looking at him and going, wow, man, it's it hasn't looked good this year. Right. Kevin Looney looked like very, very slow. He doesn't even look like the same guy from the guy who played in the uh, championship a couple years ago. That's how fast it can go. So albeit he violated the policy. I will tell you that I understand his motives. I'm not saying that I agree with what he did. I understand the motives. If you're doing everything you can to hang on in the NBA, and these are the things that you have to do to kind of get your body rejuvenated, I hope he finds a better way of doing it. But, hey, uh, he'll have 25 games to figure it out. And we will move on to what we kind of first talked about with Joel Embiid. And uh, Joel Embiid had himself a game last night. That game was uh, spectacular. The funny part is, I was talking to my wife about this, and and, uh, uh, God bless Belinda. She has to deal with me, and she has to deal with my just ramblings about basketball. She just goes, "Mm mm-hmm. Um, basically, Joe L.B. played against, uh, Victor Wimbayama and the San Antonio Spurs last night. Now, I'm not going to bury the top story, but I do want to make mention that Wimbayama had 33 points last night. Any other game, Wimbayama, even if he would have had, if M.B. would have had 40, if Wimbayama would have had 33, we would be talking about what he did against Embiid and how that's going to look in the next couple of years. But we can't do that. Because Embiid laid waste to Wimbayama. Embiid had 70 points last night. 
70. Okay, just like, let's take that in for a second. This is a big man. This is not a guard. Somebody has to get him the ball. Okay? I saw several times in this game, he was quadruple teamed, dunked on everyone. He hit step back jumpers 18 feet. He hit step back jumpers 25 feet. He rolled to the hole, dunked on people several times. He got rebounds, snatched them out the sky. When they did hard double team him, he made passes. He had, he had five assists in this game. You know, the ball moved when it was with him. And here's the thing. They needed all 70 because, like I said, Victor put up 33 and San Antonio was in this game. It was 133 to 123 at the end of the game. So my man MB put up a hell of a performance. And this is what I really want to talk about with Embiid. Embiid has been on an absolute tear. The 76ers are 16-2 in his last 18 games. Here's the most important thing that you need to know. Since December 1st, Joel Embiid is averaging 40 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, and 5 assists a game for the season he's averaging 36.1 points a game he's averaging 11.6 rebounds a game and six assists a game and for the nerds out there it's 5.9 i rounded up i'm sorry you can sue me don't get on me i got all the listen i'm putting all the uh effective field goal percentages in for you guys we get true shooting percentages in here. So I give a little nod to my nerds out there. So don't shoot me when I round up every once in a while. Just trying to prove a point. Okay. Now, on to his shooting stats. He has a 53.9 field goal percentage on the year. He is shooting from three-point land. He's shooting 36%. 36.3%. From three point land, he's shooting 88, 88.7% from free throw, from free throws, and a true shooting percentage of 65.1%. I told you, nerds, I had the stat in there. I had it. Now, the only division that seems to give him any trouble whatsoever. Now, mind you, it is a small sample because we are halfway through the season. But in seven games, the Atlantic Division seems to give Embiid just a little trouble. His numbers. Now, I gave you his season numbers, right? 36.1 uh, points a game, 11.6 rebounds, and 6 assists. Against the Atlantic Division, he's averaging 28.9 points a game. He's averaging 10.4 rebounds a game, but he's averaging 6.7 assists a game. You know what this tells me? The Atlantic Division has decided, no, 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 no. We're going to make them beat us. 
we're not going to let you beat us. We're going to send the house for you. You're going to have to kick out in Kelly Oubre Jr., Tyrese Maxey, Nicholas Batum, and Tobias Harris is going to have to beat us. So that might be the blueprint that the Atlantic Division is using. But I want you to also keep in mind the six assists a game for Embiid. That's a career high. This is something that we were critical of Embiid in the last two to three years because we thought his turnovers were too high. And they were. His turnovers has decreased a lot. And the assists have went up. And basically, what it is, it's a fundamental switch. Now, if you look at MB's post-up numbers this year, they're down. They're down a little bit. But you know what is up? When Embiid is facing the rim, when he is in attack mode, like 17, 18 feet away from the basket, you know what that allows him to do? It allows him to see the court better. When he's in post position, he's basically a, a silo. He's only He's got tunnel vision for himself. But if you put him out on the court and he's looking at the basket and he has everybody in front of him, He's a very good offense initiator. And this is the thing. Remember when he came out of Kansas? This dude was dribbling the basketball like a guard. Now, a lot of the moves that we see now that he has, we think are incredible for 7'2", 300 pounds. You know, he looks like a bigger version of Kevin Durant out there half the time especially if he's going to shoot like this, it's automatic when he's at the free throw line and he's able to jab step and kind of fall away. I mean, that's going in like most of the time now. And he shot it a lot last night. Wimby had no clue what was going on. His head was spinning completely around when Joel Embiid was dominating last night. Here's the last thing that I'll give you, and I know that my, my stat heads out there will really love this. Per 36 this season for Joel Embiid. Okay, so if he's playing 36 minutes, this is what he's averaging. 38 points a game. On the nose. 12.2 rebounds a game. 6.2 assists. 2 blocks. And 1.2 steals a game. That's per 36. Remember, there's a lot of games that Joel Embiid, because the 76ers are up, he's not even playing the fourth quarter. So when he starts playing against, you know, the upper echelon and we get into playoff time, if this Embiid shows up to the playoffs, which, again, he has not, his detractors out there will tell you, this is all great. We still need to see it in the playoffs. And to his detractors, I would tell you that is a fair point. It is a fair point. This is all great until you do it in the playoffs. But I think Nick Nurse has unlocked him. And I think that 
him facing the basket and allowing him to be able to kind of see the floor and be able to see where the players, where the chess piece, the chess piece pieces are. I think it allows him to be able to make better decisions for himself. And also if he gets in trouble, if he starts to sniff trouble, he can kick it out to one of his shooters and his shooters have been very, very competent. So, a lot going on with Joel Embiid. Very good situation going on with that. And now we move on to a story um, mm. a little hard to get into. So, last night was an offensive explosion in a lot of places. Another place that we had an offensive explosion was in Minnesota. Minnesota, uh, the Timberwolves, had themselves a quite a game against the Charlotte Hornets last night, which is interesting because it turns out to be Terry Rozier's last game as a Charlotte Hornet. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had himself quite the performance last night. He scored 62 points last night, 43 in the first half. He, he hit eight three-pointers also in the first half. He was absolutely electric. He ended up with 62. And the Minnesota Timberwolves ended up losing that game. Carl Anthony Towns wasn't even in it towards the end. We... Here is... Quotes from their head coach, Chris uh, Finch. He called the performance an absolutely disgusting performance. The defense in immature basketball. And he goes on to say, Just because you score two, three, or four buckets in a row, you know, obviously, we're going to try to ride the hot hand and look for the hot hand. But at some point, we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Cass scored 62 points on 35 shots last night. Now, he was efficient. It was 21 of 35. So I'm not knocking the 62. Okay? I'm not knocking it. But let me give you this stat. He had two assists. He had two. Okay? Joel has 70 points at five. All right? Here's the other thing. Anthony Edwards had 11 shots. For the game last night. This has been my issue with Cat uh, since the offseason when he was making some of those like crazy comments about he's the best shooting big of all time. And he was kind of just like talking about how the um, the win against against the Nuggets 
was bigger than them winning the championship and all that. And at that point, I had made the comment, and this is why if you're new to the pod, welcome. I'm I'm glad you're here. But go back and listen to the archive pods as well. Because I had made the point in one of the pods where I said, is Carl Anthony Towns insecure because he sees that Anthony Edwards is the number one guy in Minnesota? <clears throat> and then this season happened, right? And Minnesota has been absolutely amazing. Let me let me give them their flowers. Okay, I'm not I'm not here to throw shade or anything like that. This is what this has just been my issue with Carl Anthony Towns the whole time. They're 30 and 13. Okay. It's not like this has been some slog of a season. It's not like this season's been uh fraught with, you know just indecision and just crazy calamities going on in Minnesota. This has been a very smooth sailing season. Carl Anthony Town has played great pretty much all season. But here's my question. Can you trust that Towns will relinquish that I'm a star two attitude. Is that mentality something that you can kind of organically flush out before the playoffs this year? Because again, I'll say for the most part, Carl Anthony Towns has been really great for the Timberwolves this year. He's averaging like 22.3 points a game. He's played his role tremendously, and he's been a key cog to them being them being on top of the West right now. But I will still ask the question, is this just a blip on the radar, and this is just one of those growing pains of a, of a team learning how to win on big stages? And these are just the maturation processes of that or if you believe that the Timberwolves have a real legit shot and when I say that I'm not saying it mockingly I'm not saying facetiously I'm saying hey listen you're 30 and 13 this is the best stretch of basketball Minnesota has ever seen no doubt right if you think this is your time your time to strike. Are you sure Cat can be your second guy? And he'd be okay with that. Because last night reared his ugly head again. And it brought up the same doubts I had in the offseason about Carl Anthony Towns. Now, here's the one thing I will say. This is the caveat to the whole deal. Okay. Mike Conley did not play last night. And when Mike Conley plays, that team has an offensive organizational uh, hierarchy that he can control. The problem is, is that no other guard from the T-Wolves, as far as the backup guards are concerned, 
have been able to provide that same kind of steadying um, process when Mike Connolly's not in the game. Here's the thing, is that, <clears throat> here's the real problem. Solid backup point guard Tyus Jones is available, but he'll be highly sought of, and the T-Wolves wouldn't win a, a bidding war for him whatsoever. So the archetype, I guess, that the Minnesota Timberwolves are looking for is like a TJ McConnell type. And it's also a little disappointing that Shake Milton hasn't been able to assume that role from Minnesota as like that steadying force when Mike Conley's not in the game. So that's that situation with Minnesota. And I can't, I mean, great game, Carl. Great situation. Um, but man. What a what a terrible way to score sixty two points and, and uh, end up losing. That that just that's can't even go out on that one. Can you imagine you score sixty two points, you lose. Can't go out to dinner. You might be able to celebrate with your partners in house. Like man, I tore it up tonight, man. I don't know what they're doing, but I tore it up. And you just hope. That wasn't the conversation that was going on in Cat's house last night. Okay, so we're going to get into a story that's not a story. Per Dave McMiniman of ESPN, the Lakers have discussed packaging three first-round picks to Cleveland for Cleveland All-Star Donovan Mitchell. They've awful they've also offered the same package to the Atlanta Hawks for all-star Trey Young. Now for the non-part of the story. <laughs> this is all dependent on whether the Lakers are planning to do anything in this trade deadline season. In regards to moving like a first round pick or something like that. Now, if they're holding on to their first-round pick, then they have three first-round picks to give in the offseason to whomever for this mercurial star that they're looking for. You know, it's, because it's based on that seven-year rule. You can't have picks out more than seven years, and you can't have them in back-to-back -back years, and you can't do this, you can't do that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That whole deal. So... The step-in rule, basically. Um, so, with that being said, I thought the story was... Um, listen, I'm not saying that the, the actual source and, and whatever, this Dave is as locked in as anybody with the Lakers. But I thought it was funny that all of a sudden, Terry Rozier is off the market and we're starting to hear about stars. We're starting to hear about big, big names. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young. And we're talking about it in the offseason. 
So as the Terry Rogers and the Bruce Browns and the Colin Sexton start coming off the board during the trade deadline, just as a reminder, <clears throat> before the season started, I spoke of Rob Polinka transforming and rebuilding the Lakers and this roster right underneath LeBron's nose. I would actually be shocked if the Lakers did not do something in this trade deadline. Given the fact that LeBron and his camp have this sort of rhetoric out there that, you know, we're not down to win a championship or doing everything we need to do to win a championship, that I can look for greener pastures next year. Hey, that's LeBron M.O. He's been doing it his whole career. I don't know why we thought we were we were anything special as the Lakers. This has been his mode of operation ever since he left Cleveland the first time. He went to a place that he could win, and as soon as he felt that the pieces were a little bit older and they were on the downside. It was time to move on. And they in Cleveland had Kyrie, a young, talented point guard that he could team up with. And then they brought in Kevin Love and Jettison Andrew uh, Wiggins away. Right? So. He leaves Cleveland, he comes to L.A., and I said, we're about to go into the LeBron business. And now here we are, in the LeBron business, and it is a choice. Now, I'm not saying he is 100% held bad on leaving But it's not like this man hasn't made enough money. It's not like he could take, like, oh, I'll take 20 and try to win a championship over here. I'm not saying he would do that because LeBron is about his paper. So let's not get it all twisted. I just think it's funny that we're getting closer and closer to the deadline and we're hearing things like star players and this and that. But there's still this season to deal with. So, if the Lakers are what I said they were at the start of the season, which was a playing team, and that is what they're currently at right now, a playing team, and you're starting to see all these names come off the board, right? We saw OG Ananobi, we saw Pascal Siakam, now we've seen Terry Rozier come off the board, we've seen all these people come off the board. And the Lakers have turned their nose up. Now, I'm not, not saying they were in on Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, but they could have definitely been in on Terry Rozier. Easily. It was a first-round pick in the future and a player with an expiring contract. I am sure that we could have put some contracts together for Terry Rozier. But none, here's the thing. Fine. 
But if you don't do something this year, I'm cool with that. Is LeBron and AD cool with that? Are they going to be able to see the vision that you now held on again, held firm to your vision, held firm, and and then delivered on your promise? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Donovan Mitchell is coming to the Lakers, what world do we not see Austin Reeves not leaving? (laughs) So understand the world that we could be living in. So that's the question to Laker fans. Hit me up on, on X at FrontRunnerPC. Or hit my guy up, Nico. If you're shy, you don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to Nico. That's cool. At Nico FRPC. All right? I want to know. Laker fans, are you are you willing to kind of tread water this year? Knowing that LeBron is 39. You know, if he was, if you were able to convince him to stay. And you were able to pull off one of these deals for Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell. And now you have AD, LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, and whatever else you got. I don't know. We'll figure that out later, I guess. But if you have that, (laughs) how do you feel? Or do you like the two-star and then the depth pieces? Because that's the question. And here's another question that I'll ask. I know LeBron's a star. There's no question. But are we starting to see cracks? I understand there's brilliance. He pulls it out all the time. He just can't consistently do it. So having another guy who can actually shoulder that load does make a lot of sense. Austin's just not at that level right now. I think he can get there, but he's not at that level right now. And I want Austin to stay badly. Like, I, you know, like, you know, it's just hard if you're talking about Donovan Mitchell. Now, Trey, I would be like, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Donovan Mitchell, I'm kind of like, Ooh, what are we doing? I really hope we can keep Reeves because that would be devastating. If you had Anthony Davis, Reeves, LeBron, and Donovan Mitchell, that would be absolutely devastating if you were able to pull that off. But we'll see. The other thing that I do want to uh, talk about is that there is some movement on the DeJounte Murray situation. And here's what I'm being told. That deal with D'Lo DeJounte, it could still go down, but Atlanta does not want D'Lo. Now, this is prior to D'Lo going off in the last three to four games, and he's been killing it, having 30-plus point games and things of that nature. So I don't know if their attitude has changed very much with that revelation going on. But I don't know who's the third team involved. Nobody has really kind of got into that situation. 
But the DeJounte Murray to the Lakers is still a, it's still a go. And if that's the case, and they're able to pull this off and keep Reeves, now you, you now now is is Reeves a piece for Donovan Mitchell after Murray, or do we at that point have enough to contend for a title? I don't know. I really will have to look at it once a deal is done or deals are done. And the one thing we want to tell you is that as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, we will stay on top of all this. This is your home of all rumors and trades and all of it because we want to give you a clear and panoramic view of the trade. And what what front offices were thinking and how they were looking at it. And hopefully success we can do that successfully for you guys. The last thing that I want to leave you off with is this. Is that KD has made some comments. Kevin Durant of the Phoenix Suns have made some comments of late. And I want to kind of address them. Because I want to sound like the old head. So young people can tell me that I am dumb. And I have no idea what I am talking about. So KD was talking about putting himself in the GOAT conversation. How can you not put me in the in that conversation? You know, in my accomplishments and, and what have you. He thinks I'm, you know, I should be in those conversations. You tell me why. I'm going to say it now, and I know a lot of people will sit here and go like, oh, whatever. I think some of these debates are really stupid. I know why we do it. It's fun to kind of, you know, talk about and whatever. I think the errors are too hard to figure out. I think people have absolutely, completely dismissed uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. As one of the all-time greats. Um, they absolutely diminish anything that uh, Bill Russell does. Because they're saying that, you know, he went up against like six foot three. Like um, everybody was a, a, a lollipop kid from um, the Wizard of Oz. So, here's what I'll say about Kevin Durant. As a GOAT. This is one of the most incredible scorers we have ever seen. He has one of the most lethal offensive packages we have ever witnessed. And we have ever enjoyed in the game of basketball. He has shined in in the pinnacle of the NBA, which is the NBA Finals. And has won two finals MVPs. But my brother. I'm going to tell you right now. To get into that debate. You're going to need to string along. A couple more titles bro. Also it would help if you were in a bunch of finals. Right. Um. 
I understand that KD is maybe frustrated with like how it has turned out. But it's only turned out this way because of KD. And I know for the KD stands out there, I know you'll say, well, he couldn't be responsible for Kyrie or Harden. Yeah, but you tied your wagon to them. I couldn't have known this was going to happen. Okay. Then that situation sours. You go to Phoenix. And then there's bubblings that you were frustrated there. Now you shot that down. Okay. All right, man. You know, I give you benefit of the doubt. You know your situation better than I do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you don't. But when I hear about you talking about you being one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest, yes, sir. But when you're talking about the greatest of all time, that is rarefied air. Rarefied air, only, only admittance is like, you got to have a handful of rings, my brother. Okay, you got to get on that multiple, multiple, multiple title, not twin titles. You're going to have to get into that four title reign. You know, you're going to have to get into that. So if Phoenix is as good as everybody says that they are, then you'll have a chance to prove it. That you're the best. But. Until then, you got Jordan, and this is in no particular order. I I still got Kareem as one of the all-time greats. I still got LeBron as one of the all-time greats. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's errors and stuff like that. Other people want to try to blend the errors. Some people want to say that Oh, I heard some wild stuff. Okay. <clears throat> All right, young people. All right. I'm going to go on my soapbox for a second. So if you want, you go ahead and turn off the podcast now. All right. For my old heads, the young people are saying that if Larry Bird played in this era, that he would be dunking. Robinson. We have to show some grace to the young people because they don't know of what they speak of. They think they can watch a, a highlight reel of Larry Bird and think that's that's all it is. But you put Larry Bird physically fit in today's game with all the stuff available to him that was available to all these other fools. Larry Bird is still busting people's ass. That's pretty much what's going to happen. And this is from a Laker fan who absolutely hated Bird. 
like when I was little. That was one thing I talked about this on the pod previously. I think also I talked about this about Joe Montana at one point in time. I couldn't appreciate Joe for all the greatness and Jerry Rice for all the greatness that they had until after because I was a Ram fan and the same thing as a, as a Laker fan. You couldn't appreciate the, the Celtics and you couldn't appreciate Larry Bird for what he was and how he was a stone-cold killer. And everybody from that era had a monochrome of fear when that man had the ball with less than five seconds to go on the clock. Okay? Talk to all the greats, man. Magic, Drexler, Lajuan. Talk to all of them. Isaiah. They'll tell you if that dude had the ball, if he could get the ball within the last five seconds, you were probably going to lose. So I think I'm not going to call it disrespectful. I'm going to just call it you're just, you guys are just young and it's hard to understand. And I think as you guys get older and you guys, then the, the younger generation comes up and they're disrespecting you guys as uh, your guys as um, goats, you know, it, it, uh, it'll turn for you. It'll turn. I think this is just one of those things where we're going to allow you guys to, to create your own experiences and, and and meld your own minds and 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 decide on your own terms but i think as you get older and you start to see people chip away at the people you were thoroughly enjoyed by and you can you have great context into their career cuz you saw it completely i think you'll have a greater appreciation for some of the greats that we're talking about, like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and and some others. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a. Uh, it's always something that you see on Twitter. It's always something that you see on, um, you know, like TikTok and uh and and YouTube videos and oh, this dude was a problem and this that and the other. But when you talk about Larry Joe Bird and what that man was able to do and how he was. So impactful to the game. So impactful to the game. I think it, 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 you're doing him a disservice when you say that he is Duncan Robinson in today's NBA. So, all right. With that being said, man, uh, Terry Rozier, again, is a Miami Heat. He goes to Miami from Charlotte. Charlotte gets back Kyle Lowry. They also get back a first-round pick in 2027. That is lottery protected, and then it gets conveyed to 2028, and it becomes unprotected. And again, Kyle Lowry's salary is basically a salary dump, and Charlotte is very much obliged to go ahead and take that off their sal- off their salary cap next year. So we are done here. And I'm so grateful to be able to do this podcast for you guys. Again, my name is Vince Carter. Thank you again for tuning in. And make sure to follow us on X. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
and make sure to download and follow the podcast front runner podcast collective. That is all the stuff that I have to shill at this present time. There's one programming note that I want to talk about. Friday, we are going to talk about Wingby and the San Antonio Spurs, and we're going to have a guest, uh, Evan Townsend, who has been covering the Spurs for uh, three or four years now, and also done Twitter spaces and what have you. We will have Evan on the podcast on Friday. Look out for that. And uh, man, we are just, again, appreciative of all the love that we have received. But you know what? Hey, be a friend, tell a friend. Yes, I'm still in that from Pat McAfee, but it's a good line. Be a friend to the pod and to the YouTube channel and to X by telling somebody else about us. Because we're trying to get better for you. And if you can do better for us, that'll be greatly appreciated. All right. So we'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you again. And you guys, as always, be easy.